0: We're on a mission to set our own traditions here at Accounting High, and we need your help and feedback to do it. If you have a few minutes to spare, we would so appreciate it if you took our listener survey linked in the show notes of this episode.
1: The big message in there was find a niche and become the industry authority there. And there was a 80-20 analysis. The Pareto Principle? Pareto Principle, yep. Pareto, yeah. Exactly. And the, the thought there is that 80% of your revenue will come from 20% of your customers. So I listed all my major clients down and sure enough, 20% of my clients were mainly real estate agents and they provided 80% of my revenue.
2: May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please?
0: Hi there, students. Alex Miles here, your friendly front office lady here at Accounting High, and these are your morning announcements. In today's episode, Scott and Jason are joined by Damon Udacheck to discuss everything from networking and financial success as a solo firm to the way that the profit first philosophy has helped him in his business. This episode will give you the inside scoop and the best advice from this successful one man show and keep listening for a word about a tech tool loved by many that will add value to your clients while making your job easier called Just Works. So with all that said, I think it's time to sit back, relax and open your mind because class is in session.
2: I repeat, may I have your attention please? This is another public service announcement
3: brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else?
0: Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show.
3: Jason Ackerman and Scott Scarano.
2: We're going to have a problem here. And special guest, Damon, you'd check. Did I say it right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you'd check. Oh. You would have
1: gotten a gold star if you got it right. Yeah. Try it again. Try it again. No, I'm just
2: Damon. There's, Damon. Two, there's too many letters back there. Okay. First, first question. So Scott told me that he used to work for you. Is that, a is, a, is that true? Can you confirm that?
1: It is true. I wish I, I, I wish I was making enough money back then to have kept him on. He's gone on to bigger and better things with his
2: friends. Okay. Tell us. There's a ton of people. Tell us what Scott was like as an employee. Oh, he was great. He
1: was, I didn't have to t- tell him to do anything. The work was good. He worked hard. Uh, he was actually doing two jobs at the time. He was working at another CPA firm and my CPA firm during tax season. Uh, he was great. Yeah. It was like one of those things is I just didn't have enough ke- uh, revenue to keep him on. And he had his family to support.
3: That guy sounds like somebody I would hire. This guy nah. you're <laughs> describing. <It doesn't laughs> I've sound never like heard me.
2: of this guy. I'd yeah. like to find more Scots.
3: <laughs> I would, too. Oh, man. Yeah, I I have changed a lot, Damon. Man, I... Are you lazy I, now? I don't know. I feel like I've worked three jobs now, honestly. Yeah. I work the podcast more than I do anything else.
1: Well, that's
2: good. That's yeah. got to be fun, though, isn't it?
3: I love it. I have so much fun. That's his yeah.
2: passion. He's given up on man. running the accounting firm.
3: This is my pet passion project here. Oh, well, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, let's... So, yeah, so back when I was... Working for you. It was like, kind of like I was doing the side thing. You were the first person to introduce me to UltraTax. I think that's the first time I was using UltraTax. Yeah, that was my
1: first year on my own as well. It was yeah. my first tax season.
3: Well, tell us a little bit about your history. Like, I know that you were in the Army or military for yeah, a while. Yeah, I was while, in but- the Army.
1: That's where I took my first accounting class. I, I, before I was in the Army, I, I did two years of pre med in uh, organic chemistry washed me out, and I realized a different profession was in order. Uh, I took a business class, and then I was really didn't know what to do, so I joined the Army, and that was a great experience for me. I want see your war face! It paid for my, the rest of my college, plus I think half of my graduate degree, so it worked out really well. Learned a lot, I met some great people, and took accounting classes at night when I was um, in the army and then got my accounting degree from NC State and then a couple of years later got my MBA. I wanted to go into consulting, but if you remember 2008 was uh, a very treacherous time with the banking collapse and everything. And so I went with my strengths and started an accounting practice. Initially thought I was just gonna do bookkeeping and then in order to make ends meet, I started doing taxes and progressed Along and then about four years ago, I started. I became a pro, certified profit first professional, and that's where the bulk of my my time is being spent right now.
3: As a profit first professional, correct? Or okay, and I mean that's consulting to a it large is. degree. You're like kind of merging, you're blending both of those passions for accounting. Well, and, and the
1: interesting thing about it is, I started doing profit first back in 2010 before. It was before Mike wrote the original book and it's really what changed my business was having separate bank accounts. And back then I just had two bank accounts. One was the owner pay bank account. And then the other was my, what I call the business expense. Mike calls it the operating expenses and making semantics. sure I co- what's that?
3: It's just semantics, whatever. Yeah, you it call is it. semantics. Yeah. yeah.
1: But it really got me to follow what I think is the most important financial rule is paying myself first. And part of the reason why I struggled is because I wasn't paying myself first and then I spent too much. And so it really changed everything for me financially. So when I became certified in Profit First, I was super excited because I saw it was really the best way to help people get ahead with money in their businesses.
3: So help us frame the conversation. So you've you've owned your firm for 10 years now, 12 years now? 12. 12, wow. Almost 11. No, almost thirteen. 40. So I started in '09.
1: So almost almost thirteen. So
2: did you start? So you didn't work for another accounting firm beforehand. You just started straight I, off the street. Well, I worked for two firms,
1: two CPA firms. One I did taxes for. The other one I was an auditor, and then I worked uh, for an engineering company in the accounting department. So
3: all told, I think that was about four or five years of experience before I started on my own. So you got a lot of street smarts from this, and I guess starting off, what were some of the resources that you used to kind of get started on your own, like communities or other, before Profit First?
1: Yeah, so for me it was really good old-fashioned networking. I went to, you know, Chamber of Commerce stuff, and then it it was a slow going. It took me a while to get some clients, but I think one of the great things about The accounting business is you've got this recurring revenue stream that you can build. And I had, back in my early 20s, I I had a commercial cleaning business where it was also a recurring revenue stream. And so the nice thing about the recurring revenue stream is when you, you can build it and not necessarily have to market all the time if you, if you're not looking to grow, 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 grow. And I think one of the things that's different between Scott and I is he's, I've I've stayed a solo firm by choice, whereas Scott's grown quite a bit bigger than I, I thought was going to happen when he was first working with me. It was kind of cool to see what he's been able to do over the same time period of time as me.
3: Mm, I've hit a ceiling in my growth. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Not quite, uh, not not quite as, as as big as my ego is these days. But yeah, yeah. We're we're, we're re- recurring revenue in early days. How are you billing? You know, starting out traditionally speaking most firms were billing hourly i don't think you were billing hourly early days were you
1: well for kind of for the tax work right you know so one of the things that happens with tax work is you you figure a fee so it's kind of fixed but it's not it just depends and then generally as there's more and more work you you can raise those fees the other thing is that i did is i did fixed packages so Generally, the packages would include tax prep and bookkeeping back in the early days. And I think I just borrowed that model from back when I was from my commercial cleaning business where I wanted to, I looked at income as kind of like a glass, you know, and with the recurring revenue, I would just build it, build it. And every time I got a new client, I would get closer and closer to my revenue growth. So I wasn't actually having to trace new sales all the time. And I think that's one of the things I really liked about it. I want to say a couple of years in, I actually started doing a, a recurring revenue with my tax business where basically I figured out that, you know, I knew what the annual fee was going to be and then I divided it by 12 and then people would pay me monthly. And that was a nice way to spread the revenue throughout the year. Because one of the things that happens, as you know, in, in a traditional tax practice is Almost 50% of the business is earned in an eight-week period, eight period of time, which is nice during that time period, but when the revenue drops off, it can be, at least I found it to be pretty stressful.
3: Mm. So how do you approach that with clients? If they're paying monthly, do you have different options to be able to answer their questions during the year? And
2: yeah,
1: generally someone who's what I call a private client, that's it's an all-inclusive Relationships, so I price it so that they can call me anytime they want, you know. And I've really transitioned to where I want less clients that are paying me a good month, you know, a high monthly fee. So right now, I've narrowed it down to ten clients that that I'm working with, and I've set that up so that that covers, you know, my salary and everything else. And then anything above that gets to be gravy money. So. Um, and what's
2: what's a high monthly fee?
3: So it's going to average two a month, 2000 a month.
2: It's pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, so 10 clients. That's probably a pretty deep relationship then. What are you doing for those 10 clients?
1: So we're going to do, per, that's pretty much your general accounting and taxes. Then we're doing the profit first work with them. I'm meeting with them monthly, and we're running through the numbers. One of the things I developed was a very simplified way to look at the financials where we're just simplifying it down to the four areas they spend their, their money. I call this a profit scoreboard, which there's four areas. You've got owner pay taxes, business expenses, and, and profit. And I want to make sure that the percentages spent in each one of those areas are a healthy amount. And we all, we want to make sure that the business expenses, which tend to ruin business, you know, if they're too high, that's where the businesses tend to run into problems. So, and we want to make sure that they're they're getting paid really well. So depending on the revenue size, the percentage of the income that should go to their owner pay should be 50 down to maybe, you know, 15%, depending on the the size of the business. Obviously, as they make more, a lower percent would go to owner pay because they don't do all the work anymore. Mm-hmm.
3: Do you find, or so the 10, and I want to get into the real estate vertical that you're in, but yeah. are the, are all 10 similar to you in size, as far as business goes, do they have employees? How does that work?
1: Well, the, the ones I'm going to probably be on the smaller end because, you know, it's just me. So my target client's going to be doing about a million dollars in revenue and they're going to have a mix between subcontractors. Typically the way the real estate industry works is they are a lot of subcontractors. So any agents on their team typically will be a ten ninety nine. If they do have employees, it may be two or three employees. So it really depends, but it, it may be a mix. May you know, half of it could be subs versus employees.
3: Okay. So why no employees after all this time? I mean, I was a good employee that worked for you, right? Well,
1: I think it was a couple of
3: things. I don't know that I'm a great
1: manager of people. (laughs) And I, but I think the bigger thing is that I like working alone. And I remember I went to a conference once it was an accounting conference and there was a person there that owned an accounting firm and he was doing about $1.5 million and as we were talking, I was like, "Well, how much of it do you keep?" And he was like, "Well, I'm keeping about 200,000." And I think at that time I was doing about 300, and I was keeping about 200,000. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Why would I go through the hurt and all this stuff you'd have to do to grow one and a half million dollars just to make the same amount of money as I'm making now?" And so that was part of my logic, is that for me, at least in the accounting realm, I found it hard for there to be a big enough payoff to grow the accounting process, uh, business. And it was one of those things that for me, I also looked at, you know, I did work with some subcontractors for tax work. I remember one year, my tax revenue was 80 or $90,000. And I spent about 20,000 on the subcontractors. And I was just like, it, they didn't really make that big of a difference in time savings. You know? So when I hire someone, I want to save time. That's the only reason why it makes it worth for me. And if I do, if I find that I'm working just as much paying someone as I would without having them on board, that just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, I just was like, well, for me, it was just easier not to keep adding staff. And I think one of the challenges with a tax business in, in particular is getting the same persons or people to come back every year. And that was something I could, I could never find someone that would be able to come back every year.
3: Well, you mentioned, you know, you say you're not a good manager of people. I don't think too many managers are great. I don't think too many of them are great with people to begin with anyway. And it's more of a learned skill set. I'm still learning that to a large degree too. Yeah. But, you know, hiring, like designing your firm to design your life is something that we've said before. You know, it's like, you, it sounds like you were pretty intentional about designing your lifestyle. Yeah. And, you know, like people say, a lifestyle firm, that's not meant to be taken in a negative way. Cause for some people, having a firm with 20 employees is the lifestyle firm. It's the lifestyle they yeah. chose to grow and to scale. And it sounds like for you, it wasn't necessarily about growing and scaling the practice, it was just about saving time and then figuring out where your best, you know, your your skill sets best fit that. So.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I I ran this tax season. I looked at hiring someone again, and it wasn't a good hire, which, you know, that, you know, you're going to have maybe a 50% chance of it. And I just, I think I'm happier just not having staff. And the other aspect is I know how much money it takes to make me happy. And I'm making much more than that. So it's just like, at some point, it's the one thing I tell people sometimes is like when you go to eat a meal at some point, you're not going to want to eat anymore. And I think if once you figure out the amount of money that makes you happy, then there's got to be a compelling reason to make more. Otherwise you're just working more just to print dollar bills, which if that's where your value set is great, it's just, what are your priorities? And for me, that, priority to grow beyond myself never was compelling enough to make all the investments from time and all the other stuff.
2: So how do you, when you get new clients, you know, it's just you. Yeah. When you get a new client, do you fire an old client? Like how do you keep your capacity similar while still getting new clients? Well,
1: right now I'm at, I'm at capacity. So one of the things. Uh, one I, one of the ways I'm, I'm pruning off my tax business at this point so I've got just looking at my top tax clients that I want to keep and then the rest of those I'm selling them off you know so it's there's got to be a conscious decision of you
2: said you're selling them off
1: correct so I'm, I'm selling it to a different firm yeah
2: so you so you found another firm that you're like hey you want to buy these and correct yeah and how how um what's the price like how
1: we're we're just in the beginning negotiations. We're going to sit down in June to to talk through those numbers. I'd like to get 1x annual sales on that. That's that's my target is what I'm looking at. Is that right? Yeah.
2: So you basically found what you like to do. Correct. Which is the profit first. Yep. But kind of all in one. You kind of know how much money you want to make and you're happy with that. I am. Yeah. that sounds great i think a lot of firms they you know they they just grow to grow they don't really have a reason to grow Mm -hmm. they don't really think about it and then they're unhappy and they're not good bosses and you've kind of came to the realization you're like hey this is what i like to do and i make just as much money as some firms that have 20 employees correct correct
1: and And I thought, you know, so I've got this book that came out and part of my thinking as I've been, I was like, well, if I did it right, I could build this bookkeeping company that made, I don't know what, uh, was $80,000 a month. I split half of that, pay that off to staff. Then I've got, you know, I've got a good, you know, I could basically have a a good $40,000 a month income, but that sounds nice in theory, but it's never that simple, you know? And then I just got back to well, what's really important for me. So part of what I really enjoy is writing, and I like working with my private clients. And then the other aspect I want to do is uh, helping other people implement profit first. And quite frankly, that's enough for me.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. So tell us about the book. We just had Mike McAllowitz on How an did episode. You? Yeah, a couple. Yeah, weeks
1: we're ago. Ba- we're big time. Okay. good, <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was actually in San Diego with him last week. We had a profit first conference. Uh, Wait,
3: San Diego last week. I was in San Diego last week. I didn't see either of you guys there. San Diego is a pretty small town. No, were I'm you there kidding. for the other accounting? I was conference. there for accounting web. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Billy Ann, did you meet, do you know Billy Ann? No,
3: nah, I saw Dawn Brolin there. She's okay, a, Dawn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how, I know her. She's spoken at her profit first conferences. I don't yeah. know if she's actually a profit first professional or not, but Billy Ann was on, on the panel there. So we had our conference Thursday and Friday. So what was the question? I
3: think we wanted. to. I attend. don't know. I, I wanted to talk about the book, actually, and, and I veered us off. So oh, no, my book. Tell us about the book. I just wanted to set the stage where we had Mike on and okay. he wrote The First Prophet First. And then we also had John Briggs on. I don't know if you know John.
1: Yes. I, I spent time with him last week as well. I really, John, John's a great guy. Who
2: didn't guy. you hang out with last week? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. San Diego was hopping. I yeah, I mean, there. It sounds great though. Oh, it was great. It was a great trip.
3: Yeah. So John, to, we had John on Jason. I don't know if you remember John insight tax. I, I you yeah, love John's the, he doing. Hates yeah. <laughs> he he hates like, the IRS. He's, he's, he's grown a pretty impressive firm there. So, um, let's, yes. let's hear it. So you saw John last week. Yeah, yeah. And anytime
1: you talk to John, it's like, he's got so much wisdom in and it's great. talking. I mean, he could say one sentence. It's just like, whoa, 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 drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> So my book, I talked with Mike, they had started doing what's called derivative books. And so they're industry specific books. And I had uh, built up a sizable client base within the real estate industry. And it's really where I decided to niche. And I knew that Mike's book was written for the general small business market. And as you know, every industry has got its own little nuances. And so I, you know, I talked with him about licensing the book and it took me about two years to write. I went through two major rewrites and basically the core message of it is that you can have your ideal business if you pay yourself first and spend less than you earn. And some of the other topics I get into is why people mess up with money, you know, because there's a lot of people are good at making money. But what I find with real estate agents, sometimes the challenge is keeping it Mm. and that's, and they're not unique. This is people are people, right? Most people have a challenge with this. I think a couple of years ago there was a CNBC article that talked about how 70 to 80% of people were living paycheck to paycheck, which if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're not getting ahead with money. You know, you've got to be able to build up some extra money.
3: I have the opposite problem. What's that? I have the opposite problem. I can't spend money. <laughs>
2: well, good for you.
1: Oh, that a means you're making more than
3: you spend. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. But I, I need, I need to, I need to pound. Yeah, he made some the me spend
2: all the money for him.
1: Basically. I don't know how I figured that
3: out. Yeah.
1: Well, From, uh, you know, hobbies are a great way to spend money. If you want
2: to go scuba diving with me
3: sometime? He's yeah. he's just
2: into smoking cigarettes. Oh. <laughs>
3: I don't smoke <laughs> cigarettes it. now. I smoke too much weed now. Oh, there you go. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's where all my that's where my head goes.
2: May I have your attention, please?
3: Just works ad. So, if you're listening and you're an accounting or finance professional, which I hope you are, you're probably on the lookout for tools that won't just make your job easier, but will add value to your clients too. And today on Accounting High, we're highlighting one of those tools. See what I did there? We're highlighting on Accounting High. JustWorks is a professional employer organization, or as I love my acronyms, PEO. And here's how they can help. With JustWorks, your clients get best-in-class payroll, HR tools, compliance support, and access to a rich suite of employee benefits, all in one platform. JustWorks also provides 24-7 expert support that's available both to your clients and their employees. As a JustWorks partner, you get free third-party admin access to your client dashboards and seamless integrations with QuickBooks and Xero. You'll also get access to a partner relationship management tool for real-time updates and reporting on referrals. Plus, you'll get paid for referrals that become JustWorks customers or forego the referral bonus and pass on the savings to your clients. Find out how JustWorks can help your clients by going to justworks.com slash partners. That's right, justworks.com slash partners for more info. I will repeat, it is justworks.com slash, I think it's a forward slash, partners. For more info, JustWorks.com slash partners. Peace out.
2: Okay, why'd you decide to niche with real estate agents? So there, there, there was a different book that Mike Michalowicz
1: wrote, wrote, wrote called Surge, which really talked about finding a niche, you know? And so the whole idea is you want to catch a wave and write it as long as you can. And the big message in there was find a niche and become the industry authority there. And there was a 80-20 analysis that, that he recommended there and that I did. And The Pareto Principle? Pareto Principle, yep. Pareto, yeah. Exactly. And the, the thought there is that 20% of your revenue or 80% of your revenue will come from 20% of your customers. So I listed all my major clients down and sure enough, 20% of my clients were mainly real estate agents and they uh, provided 80% of my revenue. So I knew that I really liked working with real estate agents, but looking at that data on top of that really was fine. And I, I've i been working with real estate agents for eight years before that, so that's when I really decided that I was gonna make that the niche that I was gonna focus on from a, from a marketing standpoint.
3: Have you heard of the real estate CPA? I haven't, I'll have to look uh, into it. He's in Raleigh too, Brandon Hall. Brandon he's got Hall? got a podcast for real estate agents might give you some good tips. Yeah, no, it'd be good to talk yeah. with him. So that's that's interesting too. So you've, and when we had John on, we don't even mention his book, but he wrote the same thing, but for micro gyms. Which is ultra specific.
1: Yeah. John Bridge. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, t- so the book probably took a lot of your time. You'd spent two years doing it. Tell us about that process.
1: So I did a workshop with a lady called A g Harper who spent about 15 years ghostwriting and she actually co-writes all of Mike's books and she, she had a 16 week workshop and I think it worked out kind of fortuitously because I started that in April 2020 right after the pandemic hit. So my business went down a little bit. One tax season was over, but also, you know, some of my clients weren't able to, you know, their revenue dropped. So I I was one of the expenses that got cut. So I had some extra time and I wrote the first draft, I think, in about four weeks. Mm. And then I put it on a hold for a month or two just to kind of get the book to be a stranger again. And then worked on editing it. Editing took a long time for me. And then basically I was spending about an hour each morning, typically from six to seven, working on the book Monday through Fridays. And then once every month or a couple months ago I would take, you know, a weekend day and work more time. But typically I was writing about an hour a day.
3: It took me four months to write a four minute rap. And it took (laughs) me four weeks. It took you four weeks to write a whole book. That is a uh, that's sh- kind of shaming me here. But yeah, uh, some people cool. are
1: natural writers, Scott.
3: Yeah. I'm well, the, the first draft
1: it. is never good. So that's true. <laughs> that's why it took three, two additional rewrites, and another eighteen months to.
3: <laughs> so, yeah. are you proud of the book? Or would you say it's good at this point?
1: D- you, without a doubt, I'm super proud of it. It was really fun because the book came out I think January 27th, and I ordered the first copy about two weeks earlier so I could you know, have the first copy and everything. And it was one of the happiest weeks of my life, knowing that I did the book right, one, and that all that hard work I'd put into it was finally paying off.
3: It was one of the most fulfilling experiences I've had professionally. So do you have real estate agents reading it and reaching out to you now at this point? It's like four months in, right? Yeah. I've gotten some really cool emails. One of
1: the ladies that wrote me, she She and her husband, I think, were living on the East Coast, and she moved out to the West Coast, and she was like, I'm so scared and everything. And I respond to all the the emails I get from my readers, and uh, I typically like to do a little uh, video. And this one, I could tell that she needed a little encouragement. And so I spent about a half hour writing a response, which if you think about it, that's a long time to spend on one single email, and it really meant a lot to her. So it's been really cool just to get those emails from people that when they like the book, you know, and so that that's further validation that I did the book.
3: Right. Well, did you do the book to generate leads or to generate, I guess following like what's the, what was the intent?
1: I think it was a little bit of both and, and the intention, I think changes over time. I, one, I loved profit first. So I wanted to write a profit for first book it's kind of one of those things I've been, like I said, I started doing it back in 2010 and yeah, I just loved how it changed my finances. And I talked with my clients, but until I got the full blown Mike McAllots way, I really wasn't able to help a lot of people with it. So a big aspect is I wanted to help people implement profit first. I think that was a bigger motivation because once your finances are in a good position, It makes, it it just removes a lot of garbage from your life that you don't necessarily need. At least that's what my experience was growing up because I grew up with a a single mother and everything. And those are some hard times, you know? And so that was a big motivation is to, to help make money simpler for a lot of people.
3: You've got two kids? on your Four kids.
1: I had two. Four? Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Wow.
1: (laughs) I had two when, when you worked for me. Yeah. So my oldest daughter is; she'll be seventeen in September. My second will be sixteen. My son is nine, and then we've got a four-year-old girl named Zoe.
3: Oh wow! Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, so that. Why don't
1: they just work for you? Well, I tried. That was my oldest daughter, and that lasted about four (laughs) weeks. (laughs) I think you know that teenage years not really wanting to work a lot. So
2: yeah, yeah. there's a sweet spot from like ten to twelve where they could probably like help you and then like it's straight downhill well they, they, f you they, dad i'm not doing that
1: They they clean the office they they do a good job cleaning my office and then i get to pay them
3: so there's a little bit of write off there do you have a separate office still outside yeah
1: of- i actually own an office in wake forest it's one of these office condos where i own about a thousand square feet
3: oh interesting so did you ever change any of that during covid did you start working from home more
1: no, and for us, not much changed in COVID because I'm the only one we're in, my in North office. Carolina. What's that?
3: Because we're in North Carolina. Well, I mean.
1: yeah, that. But um, the only one in the office. I, you know, you know, for me, I really value quiet, which doesn't really happen at my house with four children. <laughs> yeah. And I also I started my business out of uh, a room in my house, but it, I, I liked having the separation from work and and home, so. Ever ever since I moved out of the house that one time, I always had an office. Yeah.
2: So, what's some technology that you use in your practice that helps you become more efficient? Well, I use the Thompson products still. They're integrated.
1: I think you guys use the Thompson products, right? I do. Or really mm-hmm. used to. Yeah. The, I think there's that. I use um, QuickBooks Online for the, the bookkeeping that I do, I use Basecamp for submitting documents to clients typically. And then, of course, probably one of the biggest email, obviously, so I use Outlook. So I mean, that's probably one of the biggest time savings if you use it right, is is email. That's where most of my communication goes. And I really am a big fan of BombBomb, which is a video emailing service. It, It enables me to put more into an email than just the written letters.
3: Bomb bomb! Because I thought Basecamp was more or less an email platform.
1: It's more of a online portal. I yeah. I moved to them because it was quite a bit cheaper than the Thomson Reuters portals. Right?
3: Um, no, it's it's something else that Jason Free does. It's not Basecamp. He does another one that that's actually just email. But I've no, I had never heard of Bomb Bomb. Yeah. So it's a video email.
2: So you, so you like to email instead so sending an email, you record a little video for your clients answering their emails. Correct. Yeah. And that's typically, especially, so I use it for,
1: more. It's from people that I get introduced to in the first time, right? Cause so all the readers that write to me, I typically won't, you know, I'll respond typically only by video one, because I want, I want them to know that I'm actually the one responding to them instead of someone in the Philippines or something. I feel like that adds a, a little bit of a personal touch. And then I do use Zoom quite a bit. Uh, in fact, that's the way most of my meetings occur. So, yeah.
3: Well, we can't see uh, right now. <laughs> well, not we're not Zoom. on Maybe Zoom. Maybe we should have done it on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. No,
2: you mean I'm he's not thinking. a circle D?
3: Yeah. that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were talking to a circle with a D in it. Yeah. <laughs> From the ether, so, yeah. Well, he doesn't see this. We, he doesn't see this. No, I can see the yeah. two of you. Okay,
1: but, but for you, some reason, my camera's blocked.
3: Well, thank you, Squadcast. Shout out to Squadcast.
2: <laughs> Not a sponsor should be.
3: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, we're we're the one paying them. So yeah. So um. So I guess tell us what the so the the goal of the way we talked about you know the reason you wrote the book with this now do you plan on doing like let's say a reader reaches out to you. Do you try and sell your services at all, or do you just respond to their thanks?
1: Right now it's just been the the latter. The I, I have a very soft approach to the way I I attract I work with clients. And
3: I mean you don't like sales?
1: Well, it's not that I don't like it, but I'm I'm tend to be um, more conservative in my approach. My my feeling has always been I want to get the person to like me before I even talk to them about sales, and I always and it's worked out really well for me, where, you know, the the people that like me tend to trust me, and and you know, this with finances, someone's got to trust you before they even to talk with your finances because it's such a sensitive area for for most people. Oh. Um, so the as far as the books are concerned, I one of my plans is to start offering small classes where, you know, it's a nominal fee, twenty seven or forty seven dollars. I just haven't put much time into building out that plan yet because as soon as the book launched, I was in a tax season. And so I knew I I wasn't going to do much from a promotion standpoint until after I got over tax season.
3: Which I'm Everything's after tax season for solo practitioners for sure. So tell us about let's let's get into some numbers. How many tax returns did you do this year?
1: I think about 134, Ooh, and I a think lot. I did about half of those. I think ha- about half of them extended.
3: Okay. Yeah,
1: okay. the most I ever did was probably 225.
3: Okay, and that's when you had some help? I don't remember. <laughs> okay, yeah. that, that year was a blur then. You just yeah. know the number at the end. Tell us about the, okay, so revenue for your firm last year. What was top line? I
1: believe it was about 300. I have to double check. I haven't finished my tax returns yet, but yeah.
3: So how about time off? How much time off did you have last year?
1: Well, if I hadn't gotten COVID and I wasn't launching a book, it would have been a lot better. The, I got COVID in October and then I got a contract with the, um, California association of realtors to do some training. I thought it was going to take me about 80 hours to do that. It ended up taking me two to 300 hours, probably more like 300 hours. Is it because you're a perfectionist? Yeah. 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 Okay. (laughs) Well, but also, you know, there's, I think 150,000 members of the California Association of Realtors. So I saw this as a really good way to get my face and be able to promote my book and do some really good training. The good thing is, is that all the work I did around that, I'm able to just, use that work with now as I'm doing some more training with people. So I'm just in the middle of a group training program that I'm doing with a company out of Alabama and all the contents, you know, because I spent so much time developing the content back in, in the the winter, I don't really have to do a lot to develop it now because it's already cooked and baked, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: And what was your profit or take home? For. Oh. i mean your profit comes first so it
1: does let me let me do this put my little spreadsheet i didn't know you were going to ask me these numbers oh
3: god i, I love that hard you numbers knew
2: you did about 134 tax returns
1: yeah well it's easy to do that because you can see the total number of clients and ultra tax uh, ultra tax so that makes it easy i love that yeah
2: so, but that's like at that's what accounts say like we can't say hundred and thirty four we have to say like I think you know we gotta cover ourselves so yeah. smart I get it
3: you like the exact number but the about yeah right it's like you
2: it know this is the correct answer like you can't deduct that but leave a instead buffer. of saying that you say I don't think that you're able to deduct that yeah so it looks like I did three thirty three last year owner paying tax or
1: owner paying profit was Just about two ten.
3: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, think about it. That's just like, you know, your guy that was doing 1.5 million. Yeah. So
1: that works out to 63% of revenue.
3: 63%. It's not bad. Yeah. Lead with lead with that. That's a high profit margin. And I think that's, you know, obviously if you were to hire somebody that's going to seriously cut into that because you didn't have much of a labor cost last year.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So how about book? It What's was, that? You know, go ahead. Go ahead. You're Well, I
1: think the, I think the one area that I've relied heavily on is on technology. And the nice thing about technology is that becomes, you know, that enables me to be more productive.
3: Right. It allows you more free time. And that's, that's what you were looking yeah. at hiring a person for is to save you time. But the tech saves you enough time. So to be a sole practitioner to do a hundred, about 134 returns. Correct. That's, that's a good amount. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all, all cool numbers. So now the book, how are book sales? Are you hoping to make some money on this book?
1: Yes. So, first month we sold about 1,200 books. Oh, um, that's really good. I yeah. was thrilled with it. The first week we did, well, I had 250 books sold the first day. And I think half of that was in pre orders. And to put that in context even further, the average sales of A book in its lifetime is 250 copies. Wow! So I did that the first day. I think we're still about 1,300. I is where we're at right now. It's kind of hard. The the it's kind of hard to know exactly how many were sold because the data doesn't get updated because you've got all these different retailers selling books and all that. The uh, main way I plan on promoting the book is through speaking. So I've got a couple. Gigs lined up in the next couple months, and then the plan with that is to do such a great speech that I get sage, stage heighted leads, so that you know essentially the the speaking can grow organically. I'm a really big fan of organic.
3: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And so, do you see yourself kind of straddling both, like keeping that same client base, but maybe refining it over time, and then continue to grow following through the book?
1: I think 10's probably going to be the top top number there. It's one of those things that, again, I've only got so so much time, so maybe a quarter of my time would be spent in training groups out of that. And then one of the things that at some point, John Briggs is actually working on another book, which I am really think is a brilliant idea. He's, he's basically talking about how we're too many companies are over capacity on how much they work. And, and we really need to look at not working as much as we do. So the kind of my ideal is to, to do a four day work week. And so that's just part of putting that into place. I suspect I'll be able to be there by the end of the summer.
3: Cool. Yeah.
2: All right. So tell us if you could give us one piece of advice other CPA firm owners, sole practitioners, what's the biggest piece of advice you can give them?
1: For me, the the biggest thing I'm focusing on is the the 20%. So I want to focus my time on the things I enjoy doing the most and that have the biggest impact both from a financial standpoint to me, but also to to my clients. So it's too easy to get caught up in stuff that isn't important. And, you know, if we just look at the 80-20 rule, 80% of what we do probably doesn't even need to be done. So at least I found with that when, I've, when I'm looking at reducing the time, time I work, a lot of times I'm able to get just as much productivity by getting rid of the, the stuff that just is stupid.
3: Yeah, I read something this morning about four, four day work weeks are, and we've talked about this on the podcast a lot, like tell people to work four days, they're going to get just as much done. Sometimes more, you know, if they prioritize certain things and that's a, so is he going to do a different version of the Tim Ferriss book, the four day work week for micro gyms? Is that what John's doing?
1: You know, I didn't ask him who it's targeted towards, but the only thing I've talked to him is about this, you know, 80% capacity idea. You know, so, you know, four days in a week is essentially 80% of our work week. And so I'm really looking forward to, I don't know when it's going to come out. It's probably going to come out sometime next year, but I think it's a phenomenal idea because at least for me with a time standpoint, too often in my career, I've been just willing to work extra, extra hours. When I've actually said that I'm only going to work till five o'clock today, then I just end my day. And so, and then when I had periods where I've gotten burned out, the biggest thing is just, okay, what's the one or two thing I need to get done today. And if I get that done and I have an entry to do anything more then I can do more. But, um, so yeah, so now it's really how do I make sure that I don't overwhelm work myself in the future.
3: You used to have a email, that you would send, right? Like he, it was I mean, you talked about you like writing. Do you still do do you still have like an email newsletter now for your readers or still for your firm? That's
1: something I want to get back in place. I used to have a monthly newsletter. Um I I hired this one marketing person who's like you got to send an email every single day, which one is a lot of work and it's a good way to burn people off your list. <laughs> oh
3: yeah, too many emails will unsubscribe, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, so and so now I suspect I'm going to start with a monthly email because I know I can maintain that. And the good thing about having my book is essentially all the concepts have been written. So now it's just like, okay, what teaching point do I want to talk about? I think the one thing I would like to do different with this is to do more of a two to three minute video because I think video is a lot more impactful than words.
3: Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm.
1: that's the approach that but again, right now I'm not doing anything additional until probably July.
2: All right, tell us where we can f- buy your book if so someone wants to
1: buy it. So it's on Amazon, and then and what's uh, the title? Profit
2: first for real estate agents. Profit
3: first for real estate. So if you have any
2: clients that are real estate agents, maybe you buy them the book as a present it's well, a great value. I mean just think
1: about this, 2 years of work and
2: you can get the book for
1: just under $23. Yeah,
2: and then you can email Damon and he will send you a video like like one of those celebrities you know that you pay for.
1: And
3: since <laughs> you like can see him you on get it for this. Free. Yeah,
2: exactly. Instead <laughs> <laughs> instead of an inscription in the book, he'll do a little video for you.
3: Correct. <laughs> What is that? Uh, yeah, what's that service called? I know cameo? exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah Cameo. Cameo, cameo.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. Do a Cameo for the day- book. Damio. <laughs> <Day-me-o>. Damio. <laughs> the Damio Cameo.
2: <laughs> Apparently, Cameo is like going out of business. They screwed something up. They
3: fired yeah. everyone.
2: I read that the other day.
1: But oh, that's funny. Note.
3: They were paying I think, their celebrities too much. I, yeah.
1: I think it could be a good way to make money if you were had enough people that wanted a message
2: from you. <laughs> yeah. If I was a D-list celebrity, you know, I would do it.
1: Yeah. A hundred bucks for two minutes worth of a phone.
2: That's actually the reason why Scott is doing this podcast. He wants to become a D list celebrity so he can do his cameo. People oh, other I'm already
3: on my that. way to F. I'm already getting there. <laughs> I'd take I'm on F. I'd take on the F, F list. Yeah. yeah.
2: All right, Damon. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh maybe maybe I'll we'll come visit you since you live right near Scott. Well, I'd love to do
1: something. Yeah. We ought to do lunch or something. Or
3: thanks, Damon. <laughs> All right, Appreciate sounds you good. Taking the time. Cheers. Cheers. Take care.